we're live. We are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Strong Tea. I'm Vicky. I'm Katie. And together we present a podcast with a little bit of a difference because we like to open up all the topics that are quite difficult to talk about or things that some people consider taboo and we lay it out there, we ask the questions and we invite guests on to talk about their lived experiences um, and that's what makes us a tiny bit different. Um, So yeah, Katie? I know, well, I don't even know where to start with today's guest because quite frankly, she is the most awe-inspiring person I think I have come across. So without further ado, I'm just going to give you a little tiny cherry pick of some of the awards that Suzanne, who is our wonderful guest today, has under her belt. Now, I'm going to start with the number one, obviously, I think, which is a winner of UK's Most Inspiring Individual of the Year from the National Centre of Diversity Awards. Now that's, wow. Okay. I mean, how do you even follow that? Um, But then we've also got winner of Bristol Women's Voice uh, Wonderful Women Awards. We've got winner of Bristol Diversity Business Awards for LGBTQ+. And we've also got winner of multiple awards from Shout Out as Director of Indigo Network. Now, for those of you that don't know, I didn't know, um, Indigo is the largest network for lesbian and LGBTQ women in the UK. And that is just a tiny smattering of some of these awards. If if I did them all, we'd need a new podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> what I will do is just find out what we're all drinking. And then we're going to let Suzanne tell her story. So I'll start off. I today am drinking a pucker, wild apple and cinnamon um, herbal tea. Nice. which is yeah it, it describes it I've lost the packet now but it describes it as a wild orchard of warming senses oh I know nice. I know what are you drinking I am matching you so I have I've gone pucker as well elderberry and echinacea and it's a rich embrace tingling with fruity warmth Ooh. yeah She's and done. how about what's going on with you what are you drinking Right, well, I am drinking decaf tea, but it's a biodegradable tea bag because we've started to go less plastic in our tea bags. So, yeah, very nice. 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 So what we're saying is, along with your award, you are also saving the planet. So you are Wonder Woman, (laughs) basically. Amazing. Wonderful. So without further ado, because I think this is going to be an incredibly interesting one. um, Suzanne, tell us your story. Thank you, Vicky and Katie. Um, So yeah, obviously always hard to know where to start. Um, So I'm going to start with a bit about when I came out at the age of 23. Um, So obviously a bit later than a lot of people in life, but also some people come out later than that. And I realised I was gay while I was attending a National Union of Students Women's Conference, um, which a lot of my friends just laugh at when I went to a women's conference straight and came back gay. Um, But yeah, and it was, um, so I was 23 and I, I was in a room and I literally heard this woman speak and I turned around and looked at her and fell in love on the spot now I don't know if you really can fall in love like that on the spot it might have just been lust but um yeah so I was slightly shocked but I wasn't surprised about it and part of that was before this experience I had kissed some women um partly on drunken nights out and we were trying to sort of you know kiss some women in front of boys and that sort of stuff and it was for me, it was just a bit of fun, I thought. It was just like, oh, yeah, you know, kiss your friends and that sort of thing. Um, and then it was only when I slept with a woman who was a friend, again, according to us, we were both straight, and we got drunk one night and we slept together. And that then made me start to sort of question things a bit more. And I never told anyone about that experience or who it was with, and um, she, we never talked about it. It was literally the next morning, that was it. So, but it got me thinking a lot and it got me starting to wonder what this was all about because I enjoyed it and I, and I didn't really know what that meant. Um, and for a while, I then thought I might have been bisexual. Um, so, so coming back to the, to the coming out story. So obviously that was a bit of background to that. I then spent the night chatting with this woman and dancing with her, um, but I didn't have the courage to tell her how I felt. So we ended up exchanging numbers um, and as a coward I am, I didn't do anything about it until I was on the way home from the conference the next day. And I ended up texting her to tell her that I liked her, which was a bit daft because she was up north, she was up north and I lived down south. So the chances are we may never have seen each other again. Um, and she responded back after a few hours and um, said that she was a bit surprised because she assumed I was straight. 
Um, and then the next day I thought, I'm just going to ring her. And I plucked up the courage. And I thought she could, she could not answer. She could tell me to go away. And eight hours later, we were on the phone for eight hours just chatting. And it just strengthened my feelings for her. Um, and then we chatted quite regularly and we ended up um, becoming girlfriends after a couple of weeks. We still hadn't properly met each other. We were obviously, we'd met each other on that event and then we were just chatting most nights. And I ended up going up to where she lived um, up north. And um, yeah, and basically that was it really. And it was just an amazing experience. And I think for me, what was so amazing was that it was my first sexual experience. It was my first proper relationship with anyone and my first relationship with a woman. So it was a massive, um, yes, yeah, sort of a massive experience for me. And um, unfortunately, after eight months, we didn't work out, but it definitely made me, it sort of reassured me that I knew I was gay and that's what I wanted. It was women that I wanted. And so that whole experience, while obviously it ended up, I was heartbroken at the end, it was a great experience for sort of me understanding this is who I am and this is what I want. Sounds hugely romantic. I mean, just the, the love at first sight. And as you said, going, going there straight, coming back gay. It just, that's brilliant. It's a bit... <laughs> The way you described it, it's almost like a movie, you know, to seeing the, the love of your life and so on. And it sounds like that day was was profound in so many ways. You said, you yeah. know, it was your first relationship. It was first relationship with a woman. What else changed for you as a result of discovering your sexuality? Because it was quite a, a light bulb moment for you. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I just remember feeling amazing I, I felt like a weight had been lifted and I felt complete for the first time ever in my life and it was a bit like there was this missing piece of jigsaw and I couldn't quite work out what it was and then I sort of that really helped um, and before this experience I've been having counselling for quite a few years individual and group counselling and at no point did the counsellors ever really discuss whether I might be gay and so I now it makes it, I don't know why they wouldn't have discussed that with me really, but I still think even in those days, I mean, we're talking 2000, so 22 years ago. So am I that right? Yeah. Um, so even then, like people weren't really talking about it. You know, you weren't talking about it at school. And so counsellors might not have really understood it or known how to bring things up. So no one really talked about it. And I remember saying to the counsellors, like, I kissed all these men, but I never wanted to do anything more with them. And I couldn't understand why. And so you'd think that would be a real reason for them to go, oh, this could be the reason, or have you explored this or whatever? Um, so yeah, so obviously it was it was very profound. And, and as soon as I realized I was gay, I told everyone, you know, I literally was so happy and all my friends and like nobody, nobody really batted an eyelid at all from like my friendship group or work colleagues. A few people even said I thought you were gay anyway or you know those sorts of things um and so and it also got me really involved in sort of gay activism and gay rights and I just wanted to go on marches and learn all about what it meant to be gay and you know attending prides and all those sorts of things so it was really profound and it got me into the sort of the, the gay activist work and all of the events that I now I now run I've been involved in through that sort of coming out story really and I suppose the only other thing was like at the beginning of, I didn't really have uh, the best upbringing and start in life. Um, I grew up in a council house and my dad was a cleaner and was made redundant when I was 15 and had, is partially sighted. So had some health issues and my mum didn't work once we were all born. So I, I wasn't really sure if my parents would understand it and understand what it meant because you know, they hadn't lived this sort of, that experience. They had quite more of a sheltered life and my mum's religious and my dad's an atheist. And I, and I wasn't even sure like when I was going to come out to them and how they might sort of um, yeah, understand or whether they would like even know what it really meant or what that might mean for me and those sorts of things. So, yeah, so it did at the time, there was a lot that it made me think about my own life and my, my background and that sort of thing. Um, and I suppose also like I, I looked back and growing up, I remember um, sort of thinking, actually, those teachers at school that I like thought I admired I might have actually fancied them you know and I was like oh it started to take more of an interest in like any gay there wasn't many gay role models but any gay role models that were out there and those sorts of things so it definitely opened my eyes really to this world that no one was ever talking about before. Do you think sorry Katie I am completely railroading I will be quiet Katie go for it. <laughs> I just have a really quick question because otherwise I'll forget it. Um, <laughs> You mentioned about how you had um, 
been in counseling and how you had said, you know, um, I've kissed, I've kissed men, but I don't, I didn't want to do any more with them. Did you actively seek out counseling because you felt there was something more that was undiscovered was that the reason that you sort of took yourself down that route were you trying to discover who you were and you just needed a little bit of guidance um not really I went because I was sort of having issues around my sort of upbringing and I and I wanted to sort of talk about them but it ended up there was loads of stuff and that then started to come out um the way that I sort of I didn't really have sexual feelings towards men and I suppose but I still found some men attractive so it was more about just sort of starting to understand that and I remember talking to the counsellor about that and you know and often when I would kiss men on nights out because when I was drunk because you know we all go out as students and that's what you do because I was a student at the time and you just go out and because society is so heteronormative and I didn't know many gay people. I'd met one bisexual woman in my whole life, you know, at university. And I was a bit like, wow, when I met her, um, you know, because it was like, who are you? You know, this 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 new world of mine, really. Um, so, yeah, so it was, um, it was, it sort of came after, really, when I started to talk more about sort right. of my feelings and my views and not just, I just felt like I wasn't quite right, but I didn't know exactly what it was and that definitely was a massive factor in helping me realize this is actually a big part of my identity and this is who I am and actually it's it's really important to be yourself and to be true to yourself and I think that's what came out when I started having that counseling was after that counseling when I found that that out that I was gay absolutely so can I ask a a little bit of personal question and it's kind of coming from my perspective as well because you came out when you were 23. I don't think I came out as bisexual until in my 30s, I think. Um, and it's one of those things that I wish I had known sooner. Yeah. I wish there's power in labels there for, for some things. And I found the power of saying, yes, I'm bisexual kind of answered a lot of things for me. Yeah. Do you feel the same? Do you feel kind of because now you said that missing piece of the jigsaw just suddenly fit it's like that's who I am that's my identity like empowered yeah 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 definitely and it's just a shame that like growing up there was nothing there was nothing mm. out there you know you'd go to school they weren't even allowed to talk about being gay at school because there was section 28 in place and obviously that was legislation to stop them talking about what they would say is promoting homosexuality Mm. you know talking about being gay does not make you gay doesn't suddenly force a child to become gay if you mention it so there was no talking of alternative families Mm. alternative relationships you know it was everything was very straight and it still is to to a degree in society and I think that so you didn't have that obviously I I was going to church because I grew up going to church again they weren't going to be talking about being gay at church it's church of England and then obviously at home, no one was really talking about being gay because, you know, I didn't know anyone gay and I don't think my family probably did. So there was nothing around in society that was like, apart from on TV, a couple of things on TV, you know, like in storylines, in, in soaps, or it might have been a few characters like Graham Norton and Ellen DeGeneres. That was it really. And that was like this gay world it felt so small and so tiny. And yet I was feeling like I might be one of them. So it, I think if there was much more around growing up, then that would have had a completely different experience. And you see that now with people, you know, the experience that they have, you know, my nephew's kid, friends in their class are like bisexual or pansexual. And, you know, everyone's talking about it much more younger and they're being able to, and it's not taboo like it was. And no one bats an eyelid if you say, you know, I feel like I'm not straight. I might be this or I might be that. And I think that's what's really important. And that's, that's what's changed in society, which is great that we can talk about it more. Um, but yeah, I think I would have felt much more empowered if I'd have been able to understand it earlier and, and led it. I mean, I suppose I was still quite young, at least. I know people are in their 50s or 60s coming out, you know, and they feel like for years they have lost a bit of their life because mm-hmm. they've been living a lie, really. And obviously that's really hard. Whereas at least I was able to sort of understand that throughout my student life. And then since then, it's shaped a lot of what I do. You referenced that your mum was religious um, and your dad was an atheist, but you were brought up going to church. Did you find, you know, I suppose outwardly were there conflicts when you came out, um, you know, from that community, but also when you were trying to discover who you were 
mm-hmm. and you were part of this religious community were you thinking gosh you know it says I shouldn't do this in the bible or this is wrong or you know and were you starting to question yourself because of your faith as well yeah so yeah so it was it was strange because I've been going to church ever since I was born you know and obviously when I came out I was 23 so I was at uni and um, when I left to come to uni at 18, I never really found a church in Bristol. I um, partly because student life took over, you know, and I was going out clubbing on Saturday nights and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so I didn't really find a church or get involved. But obviously, when I went home, I would still go back to my church. And so those people had known me my whole life. And it's not like when they found out, like, it's not like they openly talked to me about it, but I know most of them didn't have an issue, but they weren't suddenly going, so where's your girlfriend? And, you know, tell us all the gay things you're doing and stuff. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, and it was hard because obviously that, that they were my family for a long time, really, you know, we, we did loads of things together. Um, but I suppose it ties in with really sort of me telling my mum because I told my mum that I was gay because I, I wasn't sure how my mum would handle it. Um, just because, you know, she's, religious and we've never talked about it so you don't know what someone's going to be like and I remember after about two weeks of going out with my girlfriend I um I came out to her and I told her I said to her on the phone I'm seeing someone and her name is and um yeah and she didn't say anything and I was a bit like oh I was just like I thought she might have said something anyway she put the phone down I thought maybe she can hear me so I wrote her a letter and she wrote back to me and basically said in the letter that um you're my daughter and I love you very much and I want you to be happy which was such an amazing thing and I've still got that letter and I just thought that is great because I know that my mum's very religious and she's okay with it and I also went to speak to the vicar at my university to sort of like just again chat through it because it is hard because when you are growing up and you're learning about the bible you you not ever talked you know there's no reference even though there probably are references around gay people in the bible they don't talk about them so it, it's always a hard one because you don't really want to bring anything up because you i didn't really know what i was so it was hard for me to even articulate um so yeah so it, uh, and that was great because I thought I've got her backing and she she seems to be okay with it. And then obviously I spoke to the vicar at church and, and she said there's groups there. There's like, you know, gay vicar groups now and there's loads more coming out. And, you know, there's obviously starting to become female bishops and vicars and all of that sort of stuff. So it was at a time when I think things were happening in, in the sort of that world. And I suppose a bit like a lot of people that are religious, you take the bits of the Bible that mean something to you because obviously it's a big book and you can't, know it all inside and out and and follow it and to me it's about loving each other it's about being kind it's all those good things about being that good Samaritan and there's nothing in there that says that you can't be gay you know to do any of this stuff so it I struggled for a while but very quickly and I started to meet other gay people that were religious as well and that really helped and a couple of my girlfriends have been religious as well so that's made it a bit easier really um I suppose I, I came to peace with that idea of being Christian and a lesbian. And now if people say to me, you know, do you believe in God? I say yes still. And sometimes people are a bit like, but you're gay. How can you? And, you know, but I think religion is so complex and there's so many extremes of religion. And it's like, I believe in the good bits of the Bible, which are about being kind and, you know, and all of that stuff. So I think it's, you know, I think you can take what you want, really, which which is what often people do. And, often, and the thing is, it's not the church that's, that's got an issue with it it's the people within the church mm. and that's I think what I find frustrating is often it's the people within the church that have those bigoted views that then hide behind this idea of the church the church doesn't like gay people and the church doesn't like this but the church is, is isn't like a thing it's just like they're buildings you know churches are buildings in effect it's the people in the church that make up that church so often it's people that are have their own views and then they go to church and they're like oh well if the bible says you can't do this and you can't do that there's lots in the bible that says you can and can't do which we don't do so so yeah so it it, it was more initially it was it was hard and then um one of my mum's best friends she um she didn't know for ages I was gay because my mum was too scared to tell her because she knew she'd have an issue. And one day in the piece she went up to my mum and shook her hand and said um I know about your daughter I'll pray to cure her. And my mum said, don't you ever talk about my daughter like that? And that was it. They never spoke about it since. So that, so again, there are some people that still have those views. Um, but for me, that's their issue. That's not my mm-hmm. issue. 
Um, and I think I've still, you know, go to church. I'm still involved in religious activities. And I've met so many people that you know, don't have an issue with it as well. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it, yeah, definitely at the time was a bit of a conflict that I had to resolve in myself. But I think from meeting other people and mm. from learning more about it, it made it a lot easier. Go Suzanne's mum. <laughs> wow, that's... But I mean, that's just such a lovely relationship and knowing that she has your back, you know, and as you were talking, I kind of got a warmth from the LGBT plus Christian community that you were speaking about. And it it feels like it's even more inclusive and more welcoming than. Yeah, I remember one. Sorry, I remember at one pride I went to and there was you always get a group of religious people there with their placards. And it was like a bit of a role reversal because the first time there was like 10 of them and there was 500 of us, you know. And what we did was we all just stood around them kissing and holding hands and hugging each other and they hated it. And it just, you know, I just thought you can't, you know, you've got your views, but you shouldn't be putting them onto us, you know. And, and that's, I think that's the thing that annoyed me is like you can you can be religious and you can be gay, you know. And actually, if you look in the Bible and you go to different churches, will interpret it differently. You know, there's different courses that say different things. And I think it's about your own views, really. It's not about what the church thinks. It's more about your own internal views. And if you've got those bigoted views, you're going to pick up on that. It's really interesting you saying about that, because. I'd, I'd been under the misinterpretation that it said somewhere in the Bible that this was wrong because you do hear from so many religious groups yeah. that it is wrong according to the church and according yeah. to God and according to the Bible. Um, but it says things like man should not lie with man, but it also says you can sleep with your sister, you know? So <laughs> I think that's the thing with it. There's different. And so people now would say that's not, that's not right. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. So I think the trouble is that a lot of those words, there's lots of stuff in there, but you can interpret it. And what does that actually mean? And does yeah. it mean lay, you know, laying next to a man doesn't mean anything in the same way, you know, you should wear a red dress on your period. I don't know anyone that does that, you know? So there's lots of different things that I think um, that it could be interpreted to mean stuff. Sure. And I think it depends on your view as to which interpretation you might, you might have. And probably generational as well, I, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to say, it's probably, this is coming out of left field and someone who isn't religious, but the fact that you're a woman as well yeah. as being gay, that's probably an issue as well. well. I don't know. It's probably more acceptable to be a woman and gay because a lot of the things that I remember reading were more, would have probably been more about male because mm. I think, you know, gay men, I mean, Queen Victoria didn't say that lesbians existed because she couldn't imagine it, but yet, you know, gay men, it was like illegal. So I think in one sense that women have, have had it easier potentially in that sense of there has been a lot more focused around gay men and that being wrong than there has been about women. So, um, so yeah, so I suppose that more in the Bible is probably around around that side than there has been about women you've you've talked a lot about um you know the different uh challenges I guess that you've faced um through your journey um and I know you do a lot of activism and work with the LGBTQ community you only need to take a quick glance over and I think what we will do is we will put these awards that you've won in this post because it's fascinating and I think lots of people want to get in touch with you but you do so much for the LGBTQ community how do you feel that things have changed within the community over the last well since since you've been out um, and what do you think the biggest challenges are at the moment for LGBTQ plus people I think I remember when I first came out and I was involved in the in the sort of um, LGBT plus movement um, in NUS, like there, T wasn't even within the LGBT umbrella, really. It, it was separate. And there was a big talk about whether it should be And Stonewall was quite slow in sort of catching up on that. And, and now they're very supportive of it, which is great. And I remember just like there was a, there was still different terminology and different language. But generally, a lot of things were under the umbrella of lesbian, gay, bisexual and then trans came along really. And I think now, and it's it's a great thing, and it can also be um, 
a struggle for some people because there's so many different labels and there's so many different identities that I think sometimes the straight community might struggle to, to understand what it is, what it all means. I struggle sometimes and I and I you know from the community but people want to have labels and they want to have different identities again which is fantastic and it's great that there is so much out there and people can be who they are they don't have to go well I've got to try and fit under this umbrella you know non-binary wasn't a word I would have heard when I came out and I think it's great that people can go this is who I am these are the labels that I want fantastic but I think it, it I think people in society might struggle with knowing and understanding what they all mean and getting it wrong you know getting the wrong pronoun because there's so many different pronouns that people can use so I think it's been great but it's also obviously had some some challenges um and I also think that um, there's been a bit of a shift really from, I think there's always been a little bit of um, within different liberation groups sort of, I know like we've always worked together, but you've got your own different identities. But what I'm seeing now a bit more is people not working together as much and the liberation identities sometimes fighting each other a bit to get their voice heard or to get their opinion across and it might not you know fit with another one and I think that can sometimes be detrimental because really we should all be working together to fight the government fight society fight you know the law and to make sure that we all have those rights um, and equal you know access to to um to take part in things to be things to make sure we're getting to the top of the ladder at work and all those sorts of things and I feel like sometimes they can be a little bit too much um, yeah, infighting amongst the different groups and not supporting each other. And I remember feeling much more that we were supportive years ago. And maybe that's just because there's more identities, that there's more things out there. Um, and I just think that while we've come a long way in, in society, obviously, we've come a long way within LGBTQ+, I think there's still a long way to go. And I think some areas are better than others. And I think it's great that, you know, some law, you know, Section 28 was scrapped. And it's great that, um, you know, within workplaces, there's a lot more laws, there's a lot more inclusive policies and all that sort of stuff. But also in other countries, you know, we are lucky compared to a lot of other countries where you might get beaten up or killed because you identify. And I think we have to remember that we've we're in a quite a privileged place in this country, while it's still not right, and there's still people being beaten up. And there was a court case that finished the other day about a 50 year old man that was beaten up because he was gay in Cardiff in a park, and it's just sort of concluded. And luckily, they you know they got life. But you you just so there's still there's still pockets of society where we need to work on definitely. And I think that the plus is being able to talk about it at school, educating people younger, letting people be who they are, and that people aren't bothered if their friend is pansexual or omnisexual or LGBTQR, whatever they want to be, that, that, that that's not important. And I think that's what will help society, the more that we can encourage that from a young age. And hopefully a lot of these things often are generational. And I hope that as we go through time, that a lot of those people will, you know, they won't have an issue, we'll work much more together um, and it will be a better society for it. Oh, powerful words and, and, and yeah, I want to applaud. Um, <laughs> Wave your flag. Flag. Yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating because with you saying about the in-group fighting and even though, you know, protected characteristics and even those minority groups and so on, there is still some contention and kind of, yeah. um, and obviously also that comparison with older generations and other people who, you know, don't necessarily understand are fearful because as yes. you said you know particularly around the non-binary and the, the you know the gender fluidity and so on people are scared of getting it wrong yes. so what would do you think it's more of a knowledge-based thing that people just don't know or is it more fear-based that people are so scared of getting it wrong that they don't want to learn I think it's a mixture of both. I think part of it is that people just, if you haven't got friends, you know, and you, you're not in those communities, you might just be scared to like, if I say the wrong thing, you know, you don't want to get into trouble for saying the wrong thing. And I think that's the problem nowadays. We're, we're quite in a culture of suing people, of, you know, complaining about people. And you've got to give people a chance, I always think, you know, if somebody says something that is offensive, you know, I would probably tell what well, I would tell them and I would just sort of give them that chance in a way to sort of make amends, unless it was like really horrific or I knew that they didn't mean it. But, you know, you, you want to just check, is it just that they don't understand or is it that they, um, you know, want to learn more about it? 
and then hopefully you'll give people a chance and if they keep doing it then you go no this is a serious issue here you know but I think for a lot of people it, they are slightly scared they're scared of saying the wrong thing um you know I can feel like that sometimes with race I'm sometimes scared of if I say the wrong terminology or the wrong word because I know some people like certain definitions and others don't and so part of it is just giving us that space to sort of learn from each other in a safe space but obviously sometimes it's already broken that safe space you know and sometimes it's completely wrong and it's very racist or it's very homophobic so you, you know that that's one thing but I think there is something about just just helping people to get there but I suppose a lot of it has to start from a young age because I think you know if they understand it at school and you can talk about it at school and what terms mean and, and language is so powerful but language can also change and that's the other thing because I think over the years language has changed so you have to keep up with what is the right thing to say and do you know some people hate the word queer I'm not a massive fan I don't like it when people call me queer other people absolutely love it and so you know I don't have a problem with people using it but I wouldn't choose I wouldn't mm -hmm. you know I wouldn't identify as a dyke either because I don't like that terminology for me but I'm absolutely fine with other people using it so I think it's a hard one because there are so many labels and identities that, um, you know, people are going to like ones over the other. And sometimes it can seem more offensive to call somebody this, this terminology than another. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, yeah. The, the whole, the issue with the, the word queer and so on was obviously taking back the power of that word and, yeah. you know, empowering it in that I'm yeah. queer, you know, in, in that, that term. But yeah, I, when I've, mentioned that and so on you can see a lot of people bulk that kind yeah. of oh she can't say that and you're right it's it's that change in terminology that change in wordplay that has kind yeah. of not caught up with how quickly yeah. the lgbt world is progressing and, and yeah. developing i think the most important thing is that there's visibility you know there must be role models in every organization because there are gay people in every organization i bet you that you know and i think the most important thing is that people are heard, people are seen, people know that we're all just like everybody else, you know, there's nothing different about us, we haven't got four heads or anything like that, you know, and once you start to see that, and, and then hopefully making sure that people are at that table as well, so, you know, if you're noticing that there's an all um, straight, you know, trustee board or directors or an all white trustee board directors, you know, you play in that role to make sure that you can get people up to those positions as well, because the more diverse any organization is, the better it is, because you're listening to everyone's voices, you're going to make better decisions. Um, and I think that's a trouble when you've got similar people like yourself in certain you know, high up positions, then unfortunately you're gonna have similar views and similar ideas on things and you need that diversity. And it's just so important, so important. I think um, just what you were talking about, about it being taught in schools, there was that um, news story, I think it was going back about a year or so ago about children being taught in schools about, you know, not actively promoting it but just teaching yeah. about lgbtq plus because it's part of life and how yeah. the parents were campaigning against it and saying that this shouldn't happen yeah. now you know i read something on, on facebook around about the time that said you know i learned about hitler in school but i didn't go and invade poland you know and it's exactly what you said it's it's that just because you're being taught about it doesn't mean it's going to infiltrate your life you're going to suddenly become gay you either are gay or you aren't gay yeah. and you know what do you think should be done in schools now what do you think is the right answer to try and get that balance to try and educate the next generation because obviously as a generation now that have children we're more open-minded and we are probably the majority of us are talking more openly and making it known that for the most part I would hope that it's okay to explore who you are yeah but do you think schools need to be doing more and how how do you think they should do that I would have said that probably the last I don't know maybe since section 28 was scrapped maybe the last sort of 15 20 years I would probably say and I don't have kids so I don't know this for sure that a lot of schools would be talking about people say and families and they would probably then say there's these alternative families and you could have two mums or two dads but now what it needs to be is no alternative like these are these are families these are identity you know and instead of I think before it was a bit like this is a, a straight path you know and this is like what is the norm as what they might say and then these are some other things that could be a bit different and you might have this and the other whereas I think it just needs to be like 
these are family groupings you know you could you could live with these people you could have these identities and you know making it much more like it doesn't matter which one you are they're all equally the same and I think you know having books I mean I don't know what schools libraries are like now but there's so many books out there I've got two mums I've got two dads you know and I think it's just having that from a young age you know giving kids you know, toys that are just toys for their age, not toys for their gender. You know, yeah. there shouldn't be boys and girls toys. You should be able to go into a shop and say, I've got a six month old. I want to buy him a toy. And there's a whole row of shelves with everything on there and you pick what you want. You know, and I think the more that that all just becomes normal and and that is what society is, that is the normal. And I think the more that we can just do that, and you know, if you want to buy a card, it's awful if you want to buy a card for someone having a baby because they're pink for girls and blue for boys, and then you might get a few in between, which might be yellow or green, um, you know, so I tend to make my own now because it's just so daft because you just want to buy a baby. You just want to buy a card to say congratulations on your baby, but you doesn't want all that coloring with it. So I think the more that all of this just becomes sort of the mainstream, Mm. then that's the best thing that we can do really and then uh, you can just give people all those options and all those opportunities and then they they will know what they are or who they are and they'll feel comfortable being it because they 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 know that it's fine to say and, and be who they want to be yeah so we've mentioned um heteronormative a few times would you mind giving a bit of a definition because i'm i'm aware we know what it means but it's kind of yeah sorry <laughs> it's just that society is very much geared up to a heterosexual person in the same way in the uk it's about being a white person you know and i think it's everything you do in life is about that binary of male and female which again it shouldn't be and that men have that more sort of um privilege often you know and it's the same with with the sort of the straight and gay world I suppose it's like that heteronormative society is very much geared towards heterosexual being the normal which is why you'd often say you know a family is a man and a woman you know and those sorts of things and and a lot of pictures as well I don't know if you saw it I think it was coronavirus and this was only two years ago and it came out from the government and there was a poster and they had to they had to stop it how it ever got through and it was um I'm sure it was about coronavirus. There was a poster and it had uh, pictures of people doing different tasks. The woman was cleaning, the woman was holding the baby, the man was doing something that was traditionally people would have said would be male. And this was only two years ago. And you're like, you know, how can you get be able to put those messaging out? So um, so I think it is just the same. It's 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 having those sort of views that this is this is the way and this is the normal way. This is the way that you do it. And I think the more that we can get away from that, because there is no normal way now. Mm. You know, we're so many different identities. Everyone's individual and you have to treat people much more like that. I'm starting to see a bit more of there's no shock horror twist. Oh, look, this is different with having same sex parents. And, yeah. you know, you'll see it in TV programs now and it's just an off the cuff bowl. You know, I'm I'm a man. I've got a husband, you know, and it's it's yeah. not part of the plot. It's not part yeah. of it. It just is. And I'm starting to see that a bit more. Um, and I think because I'm so in tune with it, I'm like, oh, oh, look, look, look. And, you know, I'm making it a big thing only because in my generation, that was never the case. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it, because I think before when they when they did have like a gay storyline, it'd be like, oh, that person's gay. We'd all talk yeah. about them. And then there'd be a big drama in that person being gay or whatever. Now it's just like you say, it's like, oh, yes, my husband. Yeah, let's come over for dinner. You know, there's no mention of it. And I think that's really progression as well. Um, and I think also it's partly that um, taking away, I think whenever they depicted gay stuff years ago, it was very much more the sexual side of being gay. It always felt, you know, gay men and the sex they might have. Whereas I feel like now it's just about they're in a loving relationship and they've got kids and they're just going to go and do their weekly shop in the same way we all would, you know. And I think that's been a real change in just seeing gay people as people, not as this like sexual being or they're doing something a bit different or they're a bit odd, you know. We, we are just normal people. And I think that's what's, definitely got better and I think it's only going to get better you know going forward as well and I when think you the talk to younger people now you know they're, they're all like different identities and coming out and that's going to help and work and being supportive of each other and you know like not liking if somebody says says something horrible about them and all of that so I think that's just gonna gonna get much better so when those people are then you know in in workplaces hopefully it'll be a completely different culture and I think the stereotypes are changing as well, as you're saying, because things like, you know, if, if someone came out as being gay, it was almost assumed well, they're not going to have children. Yeah. But now it's kind of, you know, they're, they're the same sex parents with massive families, you know, it's, it's not 
it's not how it used to be thought about anymore. Yeah, definitely. I think um, something that was obviously in the news this week, um, which you guys are probably aware of, about the Stonewall uh, movement um, that's gone through government to ban conversion therapy. Now, obviously, it's been uh, banned now for gay people, but not for trans. Yeah. And you kind of think, what? Why is why is there a line there? I suppose leading on from that, I know you were talking about the different groups and how it's better for the LGBTQ community to come together to fight against these things as mm. as a whole because you know you're stronger together. Yeah. I guess listening to your story kind of sounds like the idyllic coming out story and you had the support and you had the Christian network and you had the support from your parents obviously I'm quite aware that not everyone has Mm. that what what advice would you give to someone who is probably firstly struggling with their sexuality and not sure what they are and like you said with this huge LGBTQIA and all the other letters, which I'm not going to try and remember, but plus, um, you know, this big umbrella and people are not really sure how they identify or, you know, secondly, are worried about coming out because, you know, you've both said, you know, you wish you'd come out sooner because you wish you'd known sooner, but also some people wish they could come out sooner because of their situation. So what advice would you give? And, you know, based on your own experiences and all the um, activism and support work that you do? I would say the most important thing you can do is talk to someone. Like, even if you're not sure, it's a bit like me. I wish that I'd had somebody that I could just say, I don't quite feel like all my friends, you know, when they're talking about boys or when they're kissing boys or I just don't feel the same. And I didn't have anyone to do that. You know, and it could be a friend, it could be a work colleague, it could be someone professional. But I just think, starting to just say what it is that you're think, thinking and feeling is the most important thing and it might be that you don't know you don't know who you are or what you're feeling but as soon as you start to talk it really helps and then through that you often it's a bit like when I first went to counselling I didn't say a word for a whole hour literally and I remember looking at the clock and, she, and the counsellor said so what are you thinking and I just said I'm just wondering what time this is going to be finished you know because I just didn't know how to start that conversation because they weren't asking me like questions. They were just saying, right, you talk. And that can be really hard for people. And I think the more that you just can find somebody that you get on well with, that you hope will be okay, you know, that you can just start to sort of say, this is what I'm thinking or feeling. And I don't really know what it means. And then they might be able to support you in going, oh, well, I've got a friend or I understand because I feel like that or here are some great support networks. So I think that's definitely one thing. And then I also think, and and I find that with my choir, so I sing in a gay choir in Bristol, is that sometimes people join it. Now we don't say, are you gay? Or they come in, you know, like it's a gay choir and whoever can join, I'm sure we've had straight people join it and that's absolutely fine. But it might be that you join something that could help you like learn more about yourself. So, you know, there's so many groups out there. There's things like Indigo Network, there's things like Gay Choir, there's Gay Tennis Club, there's a book club, you know, there's lots of stuff out there you can find. And sometimes it's about just going along and just learning, seeing, does this like feel good to you? You know, you might have someone there you can talk to about it. Um, So I think they're the most important things. And then probably thirdly, just try and like work out who you are. And I think we all probably should do that a bit more about like, what is it we really want? I think you go through life, you get put on a treadmill, don't you? Like, you know, you finish school, you get a job. A lot of the time you get married or you have kids and all of that. And I just think sometimes we all just need to stop and go, is this what I really want in my life? Is this really who I am? And you often hear people, they get to the other end and they go, you know, God, I regret doing, you know, not being able to do all this stuff. And I just feel like just taking stock and just going, is this the life I want? What isn't happy in my life? You know, what can I change? And that might also help you start to go, I don't quite feel right in this relationship or maybe you know my work isn't right or maybe I need to find some hobbies or whatever it is and I think that again might help you to start to work out who it who you are and what you want um and I think to not be ashamed I mean it's hard because I know some people are and it all depends on religious backgrounds you know I know a lot of Catholic friends that really struggle with their identity and telling people so I know I know I'm I feel very lucky that I've had that bit easy but I think if you can just start to you know learn that actually it's okay 
and you don't you know to not feel embarrassed or ashamed or have that guilt and that can be really hard because it could be years worth that's ingrained in you but also through talking to people joining groups if you are religious and struggle with that join a religious you know gay group and then you can work out those things together and support each other so I think there are lots of things that people can do if they're not sure or if they're struggling but I think it's really hard if you come from a background or that that you know you've just had it instilled that it's so wrong and that you're not normal and that can just take years and years and obviously counseling is also available and lots of support groups as well to go to for those that want to help um hold up the closet as it were and I'm, I'm talking about allies and yeah. you know people who are supportive and we briefly talked about it before about language and the importance of how language is changing and education what advice would you give to people who are wanting to be uh, LGBT plus, but, you know, obviously gay allies first and foremost because of yeah. the nature of this episode. Uh, but what advice would you give to people who want to be allies? I suppose, like, I'm lucky in the university that I work in, there is a, a, a programme so that you can join that, and that's great. But obviously not all organisations will have that. So I think, um, I think part of it is to learn read up on it you know try and understand what it means if you hear things in the press like the conversion therapy stuff you know you might go i don't understand what this all means you know read up what is conversion therapy you know it's a horrific thing so like read up about that and, and then like why would it be different for these people and start to educate yourself and then the thing nowadays with the internet it's, i mean you can obviously get a lot of false information but it's so easy to find things out and to learn i suppose talk to other colleagues and again even if they're straight colleagues you might be like oh what did you think about that and what you know at, and then through talking to other people, you might start to learn. Obviously, if you've got gay friends, then it's about talking to them maybe and sort of say, what can I do to help you? You know, particularly I, I think in a work situation, you know, making sure their voice is heard in meetings or if there's policies being written or if there's a new scheme, have you thought about, you know, their voices? And everyone can do that in meetings or in sort of work situations. It's just sort of making sure you're looking at things through an EDI lens and you know join and get involved in EDI I run an EDI working group at, um, at the Students Union and we're looking at all the EDI stuff across the board and people have got actions to work on and we're bringing back that data so it's somewhere where you can actually talk about EDI and look at actually how does this affect this person and what could we do differently and how do we make sure everyone feels included and I think everyone can do that you can do that in society you can do that you know with your family with your friends in in groups you know and if you're in like a, a group say oh I don't think there's any gay people here you know why aren't we attracting you know because often you there's certain groups that you know might be predominantly straight or might be predominantly white you might want to go well how how can we advertise this to more people so to, to let everyone have a ch chance to join um and those sorts of things I think and there's lots of stuff that we can all do on a daily basis to just help and obviously if you see any form of bullying harassment you know homophobia transphobia anything like that is to make sure that you report it as well obviously if it's safe to do so because I'm also aware that sometimes it isn't always safe but that you know you can do stuff anonymously you can have a word with that person there's lots of things that we can all do to try and support each other but I'm also aware that you know it I think we live in a society where we're all a bit scared of confronting people and I get that so I think you have to do what feels right for you but if if you can't then go and tell somebody afterwards and make sure that that's being picked up. Are there any um, you have mentioned about the different clubs and things that people can join are there any specific support networks or organizations that you specifically have experience with or that you would recommend that we are able to include with this episode that people are able to sort of get in touch with whether that's just to talk or to find out more you know either from yeah. the gay side of things or the ally side of things yeah. you know that that would help people learn more or understand more about who they are I mean there's loads out there but I would say Stonewall is definitely a big form of resource as well so if you don't really know a lot and want to learn more then that's great and there's all sorts on there um off the if you're Bristol based off the record is another one that works more with young people and LGBT plus um but also there's lots of I don't know the exact stats but I know there's been a lot of research around LGBT plus people and mental health as well and so there's organizations like Mind Samaritans and sometimes they have sort of more offshoots that are if you're LGBT plus um, because the two sometimes can go hand in hand and that can be about your own 
um, identity maybe, or it could be like if you've like been struggling or if you come from a family background that, you know, so I think that there are um, sort of, there are, yeah, a lot more people with mental health issues as well. So it's making sure that you can go to those supports. And if you're gay, you know, see a gay counsellor. I know at the university we've now got some, you know, gay counsellors, which is great. And it's just about if you are seeking out counselling, for example, look around and see what's out there. Make sure it's someone that can that can help you and support you and at least understand. Um, so I think there are lots of different. I mean, if you if you also do a Google search, there's loads. Um, but I definitely think if you wanted to just find out more and, and learn more than something like Stonewall is very good. Okay. Got some reading to do later then. We certainly do, yeah. <laughs> and also there's all the clubs and networks. I mean, the choir sing out Bristol, there's a gay men's chorus as well. There's like Indigo Network. There's yeah, loads of different sort of groups and, and, and this more social side as well if people want that. That's brilliant. Suzanne, I can't thank you enough. Um, we always ask our guests, do, do you have any final words? Um, it's like Springer's final thoughts. Like, yes, final yeah. thoughts. Um, not really. I just think that the most important thing is that people feel that they can be who they are. And there's a lot of stuff that's taken away from someone's feeling that they can be who they are, whether it's religion or whether it's their background or whether it's, you know, family not being OK with it. And I think the more that we can all just be true to ourselves then hopefully and, and be visible as well. You know, if people can be to be visible and to be those role models, I think the better society will be. And just working together, you know, supporting each other. We all have different needs. Everyone has different needs and, and wants in life anyway. And I think we just need to work together to basically, you know, work for that greater good and to fight the, you know, the big fish you need to fight, like governments and, you know, laws and those sorts of things. So, um, so yeah, so that's it really. And if I like to think, I like to think it's a bit of a utopia. You know, you know, Star Trek, all different people, all different aliens, all coming together, and you know, and it doesn't matter. That's that's utopia, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and the the uniqueness of everyone, the diversity of everyone, is what makes the world so amazing and interesting. If we were all like me. Oh my god, it'd be horrible. <laughs> but, you know, if we were all like one one type, it, the world just would not be the richness that it is. And I think that's what I love, really. Someone said to me once, it's like you put all the bits into a cake and everyone's different bits of the recipes and then you make this whole cake. And that's what I like to think of it as, that the world can only be a good, better place if we all contribute to it and that we all can feel like we can be ourselves and support each other. And that is why you won UK's Most Inspiring Individual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for coming along today and doing this episode, Suzanne. It's been fascinating and yeah brilliant and yep thank you again to my co-host katie you're welcome thank you vicky no problem (laughs) and we will see you again on the next episode of strong tea certainly will catch you soon guys thank you bye